So good evening, everyone. Uh, Venerable Chijin is away teaching in New York City and London. So the community members are going to take turns leading reviews these couple of weeks. So let's start just by generating our motivation for our time together this evening. The Venerable Children often talks about how our speech is a weapon of mass destruction. So it seems entirely reasonable for us to have strict forms and rules for engaging in debate. Otherwise, we can see very easily our speech can be used for harmful purposes, which is now painfully evident, I would say, in American public discourse, without any rules or guidelines or forms, um, we're at the level of uh, mudslinging on Twitter. So this evening, let us generate a very strong motivation to move in the entirely opposite direction, to use the beauty of human dialogue for the purpose of liberation and awakening that as we learn these forms, as we follow these guidelines, however strange they may seem, to know that they are able to help us to clear away misconceptions of ourselves and others, that they are ways for us to put forward reasonable perspectives, and also to clarify objections to those perspectives. And in doing this, we will be able to harness this incredibly powerful weapon that we all have, our intelligence, our ability to speak, to communicate, to connect, and to use that for an entirely beneficial purpose. To move one step closer to liberation and awakening in order to benefit not just ourselves, but all sentient beings. So recently we had with us here a Geshe Dadul Namgyal for, to lead a course on the six perfections. And during one of the mealtimes, some of us uh, talked to Geshe-la about debate, just sharing with him what we've been doing. And what was interesting was he shared that um, how he learned debate initially was entirely without the use of any textbooks or notes. He said all of them would be in the room and the teacher would, first of all, um, verbally read like a script of a debate and they would repeat after him yeah. and they would have to do that three times and by the end of the three times they were expected to have memorized it and then at the end of the class all of them would sprint back to their rooms and quickly write it down you know but they were not allowed to take notes in class so I thought that was really interesting yeah, that it's very much an oral tradition that the teachings are given orally and they're meant to be memorized. Oh, she, he said too that they didn't even know which part was the challenger and the defender. 
they would memorize it and then go out onto the debate ground and work with their friends to try and figure out who says what part and how it progresses and how it makes sense. Um, and they would just learn the form. They wouldn't even deal with the content. Yeah, so that's all they did for quite a long period of time. So, I mean, thinking about that, it was interesting to think of how then Purdue has uh, organized this material in an entirely different way, I think, for an American or Western uh, audience and for a, like a university audience. And that a lot of it is first him going through kind of the philosophy behind debate, right, the content, and then only in the second half do we get to interactive debate. Um, and I must confess I have really struggled with this material. Um, for all kinds of reasons. Okay, I see nodding heads. I'm not the only one. Um, for all kinds of different reasons, uh, including my own struggle with having to memorize things because I came from a very rote-based education system. So I'm like, no, I'm never memorizing anything again <laughs> now that I'm free from it. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, with that kind of hang-ups going on. So I wanted to share today what actually really helped me uh, connect with the debate material, which came from oral practice, and it kind of happened by accident. Um, as some of you may know, I was, I've been trying to learn Tibetan, and it happened that my conversation partner was on holiday for a month. So I've connected with someone who was offering uh, language tutoring online, and she uh, is a Westerner who has studied at the Institute of Buddhist Dialectics and also at one of the Tibetan nunneries. So when we connected, I told her my goals of studying a language. And, you know, I was like, should we just meet once a week and talk about the weather? And she's like, no, you know, you're a nun. Let's talk about collected topics. I was like, okay, in another language? She's like, yeah, don't worry. Um, here is the collected topics text from Drebong Gomang. We're going to read it together, and I will show you how to use it in debate. And I was like, uh, no, you know, we already have to do this once a week. I said, okay, let's give it a try. So the first thing we did was just to read the homage, uh, which I have printed in the handout. Right, so this is like a very rough translation. So together we read the homage, and I'll read it out to you. Yeah. As essence of the assembly of all the conquerors in the Ten Directions, Treasure of the mind of the Lord of Speech, Root Guru, Kyasang Gyatso, Mother Lord of a hundred Buddha families, care for me without separation until awakening. Okay, so we read this together in Tibetan. Then the next thing she says, okay, now we can start to debate. I'm like, what? <laughs> and she says to me, you know, D, the subject in just the way Manjushri debated. It follows, it is not that the 10 directions cannot be posited. So if you were me, you reply. And then she says, it follows that the 10 directions can be posited. Posit the 10 directions. It follows that the subjects north, south, east, west, northeast, southeast, southwest, northwest, up and down are the 10 directions. And I was like, oh, wow, it's really not so hard. <laughs> I don't know. That was when the, like, something clicked for me, like, oh. So all they do in the Tibetan monasteries is they learn a little bit of a text. Yeah, and often these debate primers are like definitions and definiendums, 
they learn a little bit in class, and then they go straight out and debate it like this for hours on end, just doing these drills. And you can debate everything from, yeah, what are the 10 directions to, I, I guess you could debate what is the essence of the assembly of all conquerors, if you wanted, you know, at all levels. And so that kind of helped it to come alive for me and feel like, yeah, it's not so difficult. Yeah, it's actually a very powerful pedagogical tool. So that's why I hope we can spend some time doing today, just doing all these debate practice drills that actually we've been doing in class already before, but maybe haven't made so much time. Um, and then to see how doing these drills forms the foundation of getting to the more complex debates. Yeah. From what I understand, um, they just what we're going to do, this two-part kind of statement debate, they would do for months, I think, before even getting to anything further and then once you have a facility with the form, then it becomes very easy to play around with the parts. Yeah. So even though, well, like Venerable Sampton was telling me this morning, it's like learning music, right? You got to start with the scales. So it seems kind of boring, but later on, that's, you will be able to play Mozart. So, you know, we'll get there. So I thought we'd start just going back to um, the fundamentals where you debate a two-part statement. Right? So if you scroll down in the document, you'll see that a two-part statement basically has a subject and a predicate. Right? And very often, they are either statements of qualities, like the subject red has the quality of being a color, right? so that's what you're debating, red is a color. Or more complicated would be statements of pervasion, right? like whatever is red, anything that is red must be a color. Right? And so with a two-part statement, there are only two things a defender can reply, which are? Except... Why? Okay, great. And um, the tutor was telling me too that usually they just start with the, the subject, uh, in just the way Manjushri debated, just for the first opening debate of the day. Yeah, then you don't have to repeat it for every other debate. Um, and I think it is useful to start that way. Um, do you? <laughs> Why? Thoughts? me it reminds me of the purpose when I see that just because we've been taught about what the purpose of debate is and this is just kind of a little reminder for me the way that Montessori debated would have been in a way that was beneficial for others in my mind yep and I think that's quite beautiful to think about right all these pieces are built into the form you know with the clapping and all that you know closing the door to the lower realms drawing sentient beings out of the lower realms yeah, so we don't necessarily do the clapping and so forth, but just the D reminding us that we're debating to increase our wisdom, not to embarrass each other or anything else. Um, and also before that, uh, she, the tutor used, um, I put in this term earlier in here, uh, it follows, it is not that, right? It doesn't mean anything at all, but they often say that just to buy time. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Um, you, if you go up in the about the 10 directions, uh, they say in Tibetan, you know, the, the subject in the way Manjushri debated, it follows, it is not that. They have a set term like that. It's to buy time as you're debating. As you very slowly do the, then you say it follows, it's not that. Just so you have a bit more time to think on the debate ground. So I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, okay. So yes, I put in here too um, the quote from the debate book, right, where Dan produces Demma Locho Rinpoche, I believe, explains that 
just as Manjushri stated subjects in order to overcome the wrong views and doubts of opponents, so I, with a good mind, will do also. So you'll see that the very basic debate drill begins with a wrong view, right? You start by saying something cannot be posited. Something that can be posited cannot be posited, right? And then you reply, why? And then it follows that it can be, I accept, posited. The subject, something else, right? The subject, why is X, I accept. Yeah, that's a very, very basic debate structure that we are going to do a couple of times. So... Maybe let's just read the one for definitions together. Um, everyone on this side of the room is challenger, and everyone on this side of the room is defender. Okay, so let's read it together. Okay, so let's just get into pairs and play around with this basic structure. And uh, all the definitions are on page 477 of this book. So, you know, take your pick, play around, uh, take turns. Yeah, and this is really what the monastics in the Tibetan tradition do. You just get together and do debate drills. <laughs> So no need to be creative, no need to create anything special. Just run through what's on page 477. Yeah, as you wish. Find a partner, and we'll do this for a couple of minutes um, before we come back. Did anything come up in your practice? Any questions or comments? Yeah, Venerable MK. I started off as the challenger, and um, I didn't realize until we switched places that Venerable Jigme was the challenger that I was using. Instead of using... Uh, when you say posit the definition, I was not putting the definition in there. I was putting in um, the term. Oh. So instead of saying it follows that the subject, instead of giving the definition, I was putting subject existent mm -hmm. is that which is, I never even, I didn't use the format. I was not tracking, because usually the subject is just one word, and that is because that is, then we give the reason. But... I was using that thinking rather than looking at the correct format. So I realized, you know, that's what happened on the second part, but that was totally unconscious. I didn't even realize I was doing it correctly my whole time. Going through that yeah, this is like, we're not even getting into reasons at this point. Yeah, this is all the way back to the, su the subject here is the definition of color. Yeah, maybe it's a bit confusing with X and Y, but, you know, so the subject here is definition of color. Right. Why? right, but I was using the subject, the term, yes. and then giving the definition rather than saying that the definition was a subject. Right, yeah, okay. So I think another group had that question too. Yeah. So the subject here is the definition of color. Yeah, then we give that definition. Yep. So here you can see it's just at the most basic level memorizing definitions. It really helps, yeah, getting out. And, and you can't bring a book out onto the debate ground. <laughs> so they're supposed to have memorized these, but anyhow. So the same structure can be used for divisions, which is why I thought we would go on to. Any more thoughts, comments before we move on? Yeah, so exactly the same. So same thing, maybe this side, let's just read for challenger, and this side can read for defender, and we'll read the, read the sample one aloud before we break into pairs. Yeah. So challengers... Why? It follows that the divisions of color can be positive. I 
Yeah, so I guess as we get used to this form too, you see so much of it is just repeating back, right? It's almost like nonviolent communication. Like, did you say this? Yes, <laughs> right? Did I hear you say this? Right? And it just helps, right? When it's a long debate to check, right? So that's really what's happening. Yeah, every time someone puts forward a statement, you repeat back. It follows that you said this, then they say yes or no, right? So yeah, just practicing the repeating back instead of rushing to the next thing. So some possible topics I've put here as suggestions, you know, you could debate the divisions of primary colors, you could do consciousnesses, you know, there are many divisions of consciousnesses, not just into two, or even of functioning things, or if you like, you can go to page 203, there's a nifty chart there. Um, so yeah, have fun with various divisions. Oh, you want to do an example? Okay. Sure. Okay, so let's do the, uh, consciousness as the really easy one, <laughs> yeah, not the seven. <laughs> um, who would like to be my partner? Okay. Oh, oh, Venerable Jumper. Okay, go ahead. Do you want to be the challenger or defender? Okay, I will, I will challenge you. Okay. Uh, all right, so the, the divisions of consciousnesses cannot be posited. Why? Oh, it follows that the divisions of consciousnesses can be posited. I accept. Posit the divisions of consciousnesses. Um, the subject, here the two, um, sense and mental consciousnesses. It follows that the subjects, the two, sense and mental consciousnesses are the divisions of consciousnesses. I accept. Yeah, yeah so like that, very simple. Yeah, and you can... No, you can even come back and be like, oh, so it follows there are not seven divisions of consciousnesses. Why? And, and so on, you know. So you can just go on like that. Yes, Venerable Losang. <coughs> to your right, Venerable Trinit. The defender, the challenger could also say um, the subject Consciousnesses cannot be, or no, the, the cannot be divided into seven, or yeah. the yeah the the seven divisions of or the two divisions, or you know you could state it the way you want it to go to begin with if you choose. Yeah, did everyone get that? There's some flexibility, so you. So right here, I've, and I've just underlined color in the handout for ease, like you can remove that and f change a different word in there. But Venerable Losang is saying, you are free to posit a different subject. For example, the seven divisions of consciousness cannot be posited. Like if you want specifically that the defender deal with the seven divisions, right? Or like you said, you can say the uh, consciousnesses cannot be divided, right? Then you, so it's just different ways to play with the format. But if you want to keep it simple, follow exactly what you've been doing with color, I mean, before, right? Just instead of definitions of something, now we're just doing the divisions of something. Yeah. So, yes, go ahead. Have fun with your friend. Yeah? Oh. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, and end of chapter 10, there's a chart. 
where you see the divisions of the selfless that can give you some ideas. Okay, so go ahead with your partner. Okay, just coming back for a bit. I realized that the chart on 203 is very confusing. <laughs> yeah, I think some people had, you know, it's, so you see on 203, that good old chart where we have existence, the selfless is divided into existence and non-existence, and then existence are divided into impermanence and permanence. Yeah, impermanent phenomena and permanent phenomena, two, right? And then impermanent phenomena are divided into three, matter, consciousness, and non-associated compositional factors. Yeah, sorry, yes, abstract composites, thank you. No, they're mutually inclusive. You you would debate them later. Yeah, you notice in that chart in the box existence, those are all the mutually inclusive terms. So we can do those later. Yes, Venerable Kunga. <laughs> oh, no. okay. Point point of clarification. <laughs> So we were talking about whether, um, you know, the category itself was included as a division. So, for example, for, for the existence, would existence be considered a division? I don't think so, but Venable Tarpa says otherwise. You asked me to posit the divisions of existence, and I, and I said there were eight. And you said, and her point was that there were seven. No, but those aren't the divisions. Yeah, right. Those they're are mutually inclusive that's terms. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. If you're going, and the way I understood this chart is, if you're going to call that the title, then I had to say it was included in it, and that there are eight. But now you're saying that's not the division at all. It's no, sorry, it's a, it's, a it's a confusing chart. I'm sorry, okay. but it's the only one we got in here. Yeah. Because I, yeah. so, I understood those as divisions of selfless. All, all of... Well, no, I forget that. That's wrong. Yeah, but does the chart make more sense now? Yeah, yeah selfless is sense, divided into the two buckets. Yeah. yeah, existent and non-existent. Yeah. Okay, good to clarify in case you use this chart again with your debate partner. <laughs> okay, let's go on to... Um, apparently, you can use this form to debate illustrations as well, but we haven't spent that much time on illustrations and I will say I'm not so well versed so let's just see what comes up with your partner um, if you recall that the illustrations are that which serves as a basis for illustrating the appropriate definiendum by way of its definition <laughs> um, the way I understand it is basically in this system you have to understand the illustration before you can understand the definition and then before you can understand the definiendum yeah. So, for example, I mean, what we read at length that was confusing was that a gold pot is not an illustration of a pot because you need to understand, uh, by the time you understand what a gold pot is, you would have already understood pot. So, but however, a gold bulbous base, a bulbous flat base water holder is an illustration of a pot. <laughs> Because right, once you know what is a gold bulbous flat base water holder, you will understand what is a bulbous flat base water holder, and then you will understand what is a pot. It's easier to understand right. the definition. 
and then the illustration before the definition. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and I know as a, and as a point of clarification, illustrations and examples are not the same thing. <laughs> yeah, but we can, that, that's for another time. Yes, let's deal with illustrations first. So play around with this. So like a very simple example here again. So why not this side read for challenger and this side for defender? Let's just read the sample. Okay, yeah, so uh, give it a go just for the form, you know. Try simple examples of illustrations and see where you go with it. Yeah? Yeah, so, but in, at this level, you're just asking for the illustration. Then yes, you can go on and check why is red an illustration of color? Because it is suitable to be a hue, right? You can go on later, but you know, at this level, let's just play around with specific illustrations and see what you come up with. Okay, would any pairs like to share examples? <laughs> Sample debates? <laughs> no? <laughs> no pairs? <laughs> no, okay. Okay, we'll come on back. Venerable Trini and Venerable Lozar are going to share a, a sample debate. It follows that an illustration of a correct assumption cannot be positive. Why? It follows that an illustration of a correct assumption can be positive. I accept. Posit an illustration of a correct assumption. Illustration of the it's the subject. I've lost it. <laughs> the subject, the correct assumption of the acceptance of rebirth in the mind of an ordinary being like Tipton Chini is an illustration of a correct assumption. It follows that the subject, um, the correct assumption of no, no, the the correct assumption of the acceptance of rebirth in the mind of an ordinary being like. Tupton Chuni is the an illustration of a um, correct assumption. I accept. We think it's a correct assumption. You have not yet an inference. <laughs> Anyone want to debate the example? <laughs> uh, no, no, I accept. I accept. I accept. <laughs> I accept. But you can. <laughs> yeah. So you know the oh, venerable Lamsel. <laughs> Consciousnesses are tricky. Yeah, we can stick with the sense eye sense perceiver, right? The sense direct perceiver uh, perceiving blue, <laughs> the eye consciousness perceiving blue. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think so too. Illustrations are difficult, um, but and I we heard too um, that that tutor I studied with was telling me that they debate definition. They can spend one month debating whether uh, momentary phenomenon is the definition of impermanent. Because can you realize that before you... Can you actually really realize that? And I don't know. They spent one month debating that. Who knows? <laughs> so, okay. So, uh, let's go on to a creative use of this form. Yeah, so definitions, divisions, illustrations, 
um, are done in the traditional debate system. Yeah, they study that in class, right? These are the definitions, divisions, and illustrations of something. You memorize it, you take it to the debate ground, and you, you debate it in this way to even remember them. Then they start taking it apart and they debate parts of the definitions and things like that. They start playing around with it. We can also play around with general Dharma topics. And I think people have been doing this already. This is entirely Venerable Lamsell's credit <laughs> that it's included here. Because one day we were doing dishes and then she comes and she says to me, the 12 links of dependent origination cannot be posited. <laughs> doing dishes. Why? <laughs> and then she says, I accept. <laughs> What's it then? Okay, now we can move on. <laughs> right, right. So the subject, ignorance, uh, and so forth. Yes. <laughs> no, no. I've, I've, I, I've, I replied in Sanskrit. because No, Pali, right? Because I have memorized them in Pali, but not English. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I was standing there washing dishes. Like, ah, avicca, sankara. So anyway, this is another way we can use this form. So try it out. Here's a whole list. You know, start with the two truths. <laughs> and whatever you wish from the whole list, you know, there's so many lists in Buddhism. Yeah. So, so this is from the illustration? No, this is the next. To use the same form, um, but to debate general Dharma topics. Yeah, so shall we do one sample, a simple sample that is not the two? Let's do the two truths. <laughs> Who wants to be my partner? <laughs> okay. It's Venerable Lamsa has the mic. All right. So you would start with um, the two truths cannot be posited. Why? It follows that the two truths can be posited. I accept. Posit the two truths. The subject, conventional and ultimate truths. It follows that the subject, conventional and ultimate truths are the two truths. I accept. Yeah. So just like that. So do it with any list you wish. Um, and play around. And yes, you can challenge to the 12 links if you wish. <laughs> All right. Let's spend a bit of time on that. <laughs> okay. Does any pair wish to share? No. <laughs> no? <All right. laughs> no? No pair wishes to share? No. Okay. Venerable Lamsel, Venerable Nima will do one before we move on. The three types of faith cannot be posited. Okay, wait, wait. Hang on, everyone. So, uh, Venerable Lamsel, Venerable Nima will do a sample debate. Okay. The three types of faith cannot be posited. Why? So, it follows that the three types of faith can be posited. I accept. Posit the three types of faith. The subject, aspire, admiring faith, aspiring faith, and convictional faith. Follows that the subject, aspiring faith, admiring faith, and convictional faith are the three types of faith. I accept. Yeah, and then you can see easily how this can go on, right? The definition of aspiring faith cannot be posited. Why? <laughs> and so on. Then you can go on for the next hour or so just talking about faith. Hooray! Okay, so we've had a lot of practice with the two-part statements. Um, so let's just move on now to the three-part statements, right? And then see if we can put them together, right? So the three-part statements are basically our syllogisms and consequences. Yeah, And the three parts are a subject, a predicate and a reason, right? So red is a color. Why? Because it is suitable to be a hue. Very often, the reasons given are the definitions. It's not really a logical thinking process like, yeah, what does it mean to be suitable to be form? And it's, it's a formal structure, right? We memorize definitions and 
yeah, and their how they relate to the definiendums. Um, okay, so what are the four replies we can give? If someone gives you a subject predicate plus a reason, you hear the word because, then you can reply. Except, Except the reason is not right, so those are the typical responses, and in that order. Huh? You wouldn't say why, right? Yeah, you either do, I accept. If you don't accept, then the first thing you do is you check the reason. Right? Does it apply to the subject? If it is not established, that's the first thing you say it's not established. If it is established, then you can say no pervasion. Yeah. I found it helpful to think about why you wouldn't say why. Mm. Because they've already said because. They've already given you a reason, so that is the why. So they've already given it. So then you have to go on. You can't use that. that yeah. Because otherwise I couldn't remember. That's a helpful... Yeah, that's helpful for the... English version. The most even the most bizarre thing is that in the Tibetan, sometimes it's just hearing a word, right? Anything that ends with a certain verb, you reply as a reason, even if it's not in that three-part format. Anyway, that's just confusing, but it's a formal thing. So as long as you hear a because, then you have four possibilities for your answer. Yeah, and I, um, like I said, they very rarely do the provision is opposite. It seems, but we can throw it in for credit. But before we go there, I think we could do a very simple sample debate just to get, just get used to giving a reason. So the one that they drill, very, very simple. You just go back to your definitions again. Um, well, this side of the room, read for a challenger and this side for a defender. Yeah, let's start with the subject read. One, two, three. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the most basic of uh, reason drills. And I put it this way because in the, you know, then produces, you can also say, give a reason why the subject red is a color. Yeah, in the Tibetan, they end with like a particle and it sounds like a question right so the subject grid is a color because that's how I like to do it it's faster um, I know the FPMT master's program does the subject grid is a color why yeah so just adding that in in the Tibetan it's just a particle yeah so either way you know so if you prefer give a reason why the subject grid is a color you can do that as well but basically it's just a way to ask for a reason okay you want to practice that for a bit before we do more complicated things <laughs> Back to our friend, the definitions. Shall we come back? Does, does any pair want to share? Or we move on? Okay. So now that we've debated two-part and three-part statements at length, I think that helps us to understand how longer debates work. Yeah. So the next part comes from the same chapter we've been looking at in the book. Yeah, but it's kind of how everything fits. So we start to see how all these little pieces can be put together. So maybe let's read the script together. <laughs> um, which side was the challenger last? Oh, this side was challenger? No? He's... Okay, so you, so you should be challenger, right? Okay, so let's read the one about color and how it can go further. You know, starting with, a, so the first part is a two-part statement, right, that you've done um, at length with your partner and then how it can go into a three-part statement debate. Okay, 
So, challengers, please begin. Definition of color cannot be positive. Why? It follows that the definition of color can be positive. I accept positive the definition of color. The subject that which is suitable to be a you. It follows that the subject that which is suitable to be a you is the definition of color. I accept. see how um, this once you do this a lot of times you will know the definitions in your sleep right so we could practice this are we up for it or we could uh, just have a look at the next debate yeah you can see how so you know you from this this naturally flows on to comparison of objects when you compare mutually inclusive phenomena it's pretty much almost exactly the same you just have it's just that you don't say the, these are um, eight approaches of pervasion in the relationship of a def definition and a definiendum. Yeah. Do, do you want to do the extra credit? you want to try it for <laughs> comparison of objects? It's the same structure, uh, yeah? So does someone want to be my partner? We'll just read out the script for... Um, hmm, actually, it's a bit different. Okay, why don't we spend some time no, doing this previous one before we move on? Yeah, let's not stretch too far. Okay, so why don't you pick a definition that you actually are very interested in and are hoping to memorize <laughs> and try that out with your partner. <laughs> Go back to the back of the book, you know, reliable cognition is always a useful one to have in your back pocket. <laughs> and yeah, so try out this script, but now replace color and that which is suitable to be a hue with any term that you wish to memorize the definition of. Okay, so let's spend some time on that. Okay, I don't think we have that much time left for further practice, but I wanted to touch on the further structures that we will come to eventually, I'm sure, as we finish up this book. Um, so let's just read them in the choral reading style. <laughs> we'll continue with this handout. So you can see how, I mean, just starting with definitions, divisions, illustrations, or now starting to give reasons, right? Like why is something the definition of something else? Um, 
it's how you build on the form. Yeah, and I know I believe it takes a long time for them to get to four debating comparisons of objects or possibilities. Um, the tutor I studied with said that when she she had done one year at IBD, right? Then she goes to the nunnery and they start debating, and they were like, oh, "You know how to compare objects? Whoa!" <laughs> She's like, "Yes," because <laughs> she had spent that year elsewhere. So you can imagine it's really built up slowly over months, just doing this. What is the, you know? definitions and yeah so I think the whole set of drills around comparisons of phenomena are like the heart of debate yeah so we can just run through them together um, and there's actually a very long set form in the Tibetan as we learned um, are you on the page that says comparisons of objects yeah. okay yeah they actually start usually with the two something and something do not have the four possibilities three possibilities are not mutually inclusive are not mutually exclusive yeah, then you say why, yeah, then you repeat the whole, yeah, then you continue. But I think for the sake of brevity, we can do, they cannot, the whole idea is that you're just saying they can't be compared. Yeah, yeah. So shall we try reading as a group for impermanent phenomena and functioning things? Yeah, okay, so this side can be, you should, this side should be challengers, right? Yeah, okay, so challengers, please. Then a 
accomplishing things necessarily to have all the eight approaches of the so you can see it's very similar to the last structure we practiced. I think I put an extra two lines, sorry, you know, the, after they are mutually inclusive, then actually the challenger can just say it follows they are not mutually inclusive. Yeah, you don't have to repeat back that part. Yeah. You know, you basically keep challenging what the defender just said. Now, I'll tell you a secret. I found out too that uh, they don't, after they've gone through the eight approaches of pervasion to like, you're super familiar they abbreviate it and just say the two necessarily, the two not necessarily, the two exist and the two not exist. Something like that in Tibetan. Very abbreviated. And then moving on to the next thing. Yeah. But I think that's after you get quite familiar. Yeah. Okay, so shall we read um, how to compare mutually exclusive objects? So, you know, these are set scripts you can practice with a partner. Um, okay, shall we do... Forms and consciousnesses? All right. So the challengers on this side. The two forms and consciousnesses cannot be compared. Why? It follows that the two forms and consciousnesses can be compared. I accept. Positive how the two forms and consciousnesses can be compared. They are mutually exclusive. It follows that the two forms of consciousnesses are not And I think these drills train us in, I think in the complex debates, they can give two-part reasons. Yeah, then you learn how to break them up and you see you debate one part of the reason and then the next part. But when we were up on the uh, mutually inclusive, it said that because of them being different and having all eight approaches of perversion, it falls out the two are different. <laughs> Of pervasion, pervasion. <laughs> That's where I am tonight. It's late. And it says the following, the two of them, uh, permanent phenomena functioning things, are different. So we use the same reasoning for mutually ex uh, inclusive as we do for mutually ex existent, uh, mutually exclusive, but that I couldn't track why, if we were trying to to show that they were, that they're different, but yet they had the, the, uh, Eight pervasions. I got I got lost using this. They have the same. Um, oh, like why the reason? Like the first part of the reason is the same. Yeah, it's just to establish that these are different phenomena. You can't compare two things that are one. 
<laughs> yeah, I think okay. I, that's okay. like a formal piece, yeah, to establish, okay, these two things are different in name and meaning. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, then you would talk, yeah, debate. For one, you establish that they have the eight approaches of pervasion. Oh, right, that's true. Different in name. Okay, because they're, yeah. they're, that's they're true. synonymous. Yeah, different in name. They're synonymous, so they're different in name. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. For the mutually inclusive. Right, yeah. right. that's why I got confused. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and you know, and then if they are definition and definiendum, you have to add in this thing about them being name or meaning. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you, uh, you notice that when you're debating whether how a definition and definiendum are related, you add in a piece about them having that kind of relationship in addition to being established, uh, in, in addition to having the eight approaches of uh, pervasion. Yeah. What is the reason? Uh, I think you and M had debated it to the point where you know clearly what the reason is. Because um, two things can share the idols of, of pervasion but not be in the relationship of definition and definiendum. So that's why when you're doing that, you specify that specific relationship because mm -hmm. two, yeah, two synonyms can share the idols of pervasion but they're not in the relationship of definition and definiendum. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's just a point of a clarification there. Yeah. Okay, do we have energy to do 3P and 4P? <laughs> Time to call it a night. <laughs> People look exhausted. <laughs> Keep going. Okay, we'll be brave. Okay, okay. let's try a 3P. Okay, challenge. And simple one, we'll just do color and form. <laughs> so this side are challengers, right? Okay. What is both color and form? Okay, the color blue, uh, blue, the blue of a, the color blue of a blue shirt. Yeah, the color of a blue shirt. The color of a blue shirt. Okay. Yeah, because it is suitable to be a hue. Okay. Yeah, because it is suitable to be a form. If it is a color, it is necessarily form. But if it is form, it is not necessarily color. Okay, sorry. I, I uh, do you want to pause here? Let me, I know this is getting confusing. So in the in the then Purdue format, he just does posit something that's both, right? Posit that something that is uh, one that not the other. Then posit you know which way does the pervasion go? Then posit one that's not the other. Um, so this was what uh, the tutor was telling me. They actually lay it out like this. Um, 
this is considered the good form. When you ask someone, posit something that's both, that's considered, I don't know, taking a shortcut. <laughs> yeah. So you start, if you want to uh, posit something that is both, you start with the wrong assertion. Right, you're, you're, asking me to, you're asking for something that is both X and Y, right? But, so you start with, if something is X, it is necessarily not Y. Now, if something is co uh, color, it cannot be form. That's the wrong assertion, right? Then you ask me why. I say, oh, so if something is color, it is not necessarily not form, right? If it's color, there, must, there is something that is both color and form. Right? So you say, I accept, and I say, posit something that is both color and form. It's just a formal way. They memorize these scripts. I know it's very hard, and then it's worse in Tibetan where you can't figure out what is the not and the necessarily and what's going on. But I think it helps to make it clear. Yeah. But if you prefer, you can also go back to uh, posit something that's both. So yeah. color is not an abstract Yeah. Yeah, the divisions of form are color and shape. Oh. <laughs> Can it just be the color blue? It can be, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's up to you to how specific you want to be, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, you start always with checking what is both, right? Then you ask which way the provision goes. Then this is how you ask for something that is one but not the other, right? So you want to continue reading? <laughs> so the definition of form in this book is not that which has color and shape; it's that which is suitable to be Yeah. Yeah, that is just suitable to be a form. But it's the divisions of uh, form are into color and shape. Yeah. Actually, there are 11. Is it 10 divisions of form? Is it 11? Yeah. So anyway, so, so two of the divisions of form are color and shape. Yeah. yeah. So that's why it's 3P. Yeah. If it's a form, it is if it's a color, it's necessarily form. Yeah. So do you want to keep going? <laughs> Try for something that is... Uh, Form but not color. Yeah, okay, challenges. It follows that. Is form. Because it means suitable. Yeah, just, yeah, because it is suitable to be form. Yeah, you just repeat the definition. The reason why the subject sounds an oboe is not because it is not suitable as a hue. Yeah, so that's how you would use these reasons. <laughs> Just, yeah. And then you can do something that is neither. A blue mood. A blue mood is not blue. <laughs> he meant like the mood of being blue. 
<laughs> sadness or whatever, yeah. Okay. So give, give a reason why the subject eye consciousness is not color. Okay. Give a reason why the subject and eye consciousness is not form. <laughs> or because it's consciousness. Yeah, so you can see how it all starts to get put together like that. And of course, you can go on to do 4P in your free time. <laughs> 4P is actually really hard, I think. Four possibilities, you know, to come up. Uh, yeah, anyway. And then from attempting to debate, I think it often brings up interesting questions for further discussion. Okay. To do something that is mine and something that is free time. How <laughs> it cannot be compared. Why? <laughs> oh, because you live at the Abbey. Snap. <laughs> okay. All right. So we've used our time well. Um, we can, and then I will, I will send you the cutest YouTube clip I found of a seven-year-old monk debating <laughs> in good form <laughs> with a big audience. <laughs> but I don't know if it pervades that if a seven-year-old can debate, I necessarily can debate. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking about that one. <laughs> okay, sure, yeah. Oh, is it Geshe Nawang Darge syllogism? You can debate because you can become a Buddha? It follows? Okay. All right. So let's uh, take a moment to just um, bring our minds back. <laughs> and rejoice in all the effort we've made this evening to review these different forms. Knowing that they are the building blocks for us to continue with more complex debates into the nature of reality that we will realize someday for the benefit of all beings. <laughs>